0: All right, um, say you don't have a job, you're unemployed, right? And um, you got to deal with your bills and your rent and all that stuff, though. But however, though, you can make money in a, as a better solution. I'm not talking about going out the street and hustling or drug dealing. You could go to Anchor FM, start your own podcast, make some money, get some sponsors. Because... You want to do something that's right, and then you want to to want people to tell about your story about your passion and about why you want to do this podcast and you also have to tell them about your experiences so it's like um it's like you want to make some money you know what I mean you get a lot of people get a lot of sponsors you can earn some money that way. I know people are desperate out here and something like that because time's are getting hard. But you know You have to be patient And just pray on it though And do something right So If you want to start Your own podcast for free Just go to Edgar FM And Start your own podcast About a TV show Or some, do, something, do something About music Or do something About food Everything Everything you like What you see on TV What you hear on the radio And you just just Go check it out So Go to Edgar FM And Just be creative And make some money that way. Hey y'all, how y'all doing? This is Mr. Brian Rose. And this is Twisted, an SVU podcast. It is your host, Brian Rose. And this is Anchor FM. So, um, start, so I'm, I apologize for starting my um, show a little bit late. Because I'm coming out of a cold. You know, the weather changes. I mean, I was working outdoors and the weather got hot like last week. And then all of a sudden, the weather started changing. And then I felt like I was getting a sore throat. Yeah, I felt like I was catching a cold and all this stuff. And I don't know what it is, though, because I've been working indoors and outdoors on my job. So, and sometimes, you know, it might have an effect on people. So, and, you know, and uh, work is hectic because then I got a bunch of like hard, well, a bunch of big workloads and stuff like that. And I'm getting some work orders and stuff like that. It's like you can't even relax and all this stuff. And sometimes your body gets wearing out and your body is telling you something like you gotta sit down. But the kind of job I do is I'm like a janitor and all that shit on the job would make me sweat. I feel like I am the wicked witch of the West and I am drowning in a puddle of mud. And you could say, you could also say that I'm burning calories that way, but I'm, that's another story. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta check your body out though and you have to make sure you eat the right foods now let me go to give you a brief um, look back on because um, I, I was watching Law & Order SVU and Organized Crime last Thursday and let me give you a brief recap alright so on SVU uh, there was a little domestic dispute against because um, turns out that the, um, the husband he was injured on the job and he was showing some signs of bleeding and stuff like that so um, at first you know it was saying that um, he saw his wife and stuff like that. It's like a domestic dispute. But it turns out that his wife is the abuser. I mean, yo, know, that bitch was crazy, man. I mean, she lying, manipulating stuff like that and getting him in trouble, stuff like that. What's up with this white girl? She's a bipolar bitch or something like that, though. But that shit, though. I mean, what happened with the husband? And no one wants to talk about it. But it shows you that there's a side-side abuse. I mean... I mean, his girl was like abusing him and torturing him and doing this bondage and stuff like that. I mean, put a vibrator up his ass, damn. So <laughs> that stuff, that was that shit, was crazy. And then is um, she going around blaming the husband as the abuser, abusers, or trying to kill her, something like that? But their son knows what's going on, and he and he knows that the mom Would did all the things that. And, all these things and putting it on him. Go to show you that the mom is a liar. The mom's crazy. So, in the courtroom scene, you know, she tried to text um, her husband secretly, telling him, cursing him out and all that stuff, though. And then he showed the text to the DA, yo, that bitch was busted. I mean, that girl was bitch was crazy and all that stuff yo i mean I, I i thought she was gonna come up there and come out with a lash out at him in the courtroom and then or well, she might end up getting shot but she didn't do that i mean she played it cool so that would happen to her though so now them he says that he'll have custody, he'll custody of the son He'll they'll show custody of the son but he's done with this girl he's done I mean, I know, I know she shouldn't have just snapped or pro down to try, try to stab him or something like that Or shoot him or something Or maybe she'll get shot by one of them officers But that didn't happen I mean, I thought she was going to go crazy and go all loud And go just snapping all in the courtroom But that didn't happen I mean, she played it cool But she's like a sadistic bitch Oh yeah, by the way, in OC, they finally um, arrested uh, Mr. Wheatley and his family and his crew and they found Gina's body in the park. She was buried in uh, some grave thing in the park somewhere. So they did actually kill, I mean, the Rich, Richard Wheatley's son actually killed her ass. And now the whole Wheatley play has arrested. I mean, Mr. Wheatley got arrested. His son got arrested. His daughter got arrested. But they, they did not arrest Wheatley's girlfriend. And, you know, Sergeant Bell got mad because she already knows that <laughs> Mr. Wheatley's son had killed her. And he wanted, she wanted to kick his ass, but Stable held her back. So, right now, you know, there is... There's in the, they're in a you know, Stava's interrogation with um, Mr. Richard Wheatley and his wife. And, and Mr. Wheatley, he's slick because he mentions that there's another, he mentions, brings up a plot twist. And there's, he mentions another, 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 another stable of stable loves his life. I mean, that's, but he's talking about his wife, but, Stabler has another love with his wife, and it's not um Kathy Stabler, it might be Olivia Benson. We're gonna see what happens here, y'all. Damn, so um, that's a brief recap on um the SVU and OC, and both of these shows are going to be having a season finale next week. And the good news is, is that uh, Law and Order organized crime is has been renewed for another season. So y'all ladies gonna see more stable coming in soon. And you know what I do? I like Olivia Benson though. Because she's got like nice boobs. <laughs> They're nice titties. I mean, this is a we're adults here, and She got nice Mrs. Benson's got some nice titties, so I'm I'm not gonna say it though. So all right, let's get to the episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen. All right, this is um, Law and Order, season, Law and Order SVU, season one, episode fifteen, entitled Part One. Now, this is the most important episode of the Law and Order SVU series because it features the epic crossover between the cast of Law and Order. And the cast of Law and Order Special Victims Unit. And they work work together on one big case which was unsolved like a few years back though. And um when they get to that episode, I mean this is like the major crossover crossovers because the big first crossover starts at part one begins at Lauren or S V U and part two concludes on the original Law and Order. They don't have that they don't have the um, Part two of the title of the um, SVU season one DVD um, box set. So, uh, so, um, yeah, that's like they treat Laura as like a separate show, but you can find it on the original Lord or DVD, something like that, though. I mean, it's a shame that this this um part two is not concluded on um SVU season one um DVD thing. So, oh, well. I don't know what it was. or I mean, it would have been nice to add about that, though. So, like I'm saying, this is like the bigger crossover because you know, you you got like um, when um, SCU first started back in 1999, you had like a couple of characters from Law and Order making cameo appearances, maybe like a scene or a couple of scenes right there. I mean, you got like A.G. Harmon and Jerry Orbach and Jesse Martin. I mean, mostly to Angie Harmon, who plays at, at Ada Abby Carmichael. Though she appeared on the first season of SVU several times, playing role. Oh yeah! By the way, you are gonna get another Law and Order character on the next episode, right? So this is our fifteenth episode, and we're, n- we're gonna be th- we're not gonna be throwing a party or anything like that. So you say it's fifteen, it's like you in high school and stuff like that, though. All right, so um, right now this is um, this is Law and Order SVU season one, episode fifteen, entitled Part One, and aired on February eighteenth, two thousand. I mean, two thousand is the year the NSYNC got blew up, and you know that Justin Timberlake he had that little big curly white afro, and he was dating Britney Spears at the time. All right, so this is aired in February two thousand. And it's um teleplay, teleplay by Robert Palm and Wendy West, a story by Dick Wolf, Renee Bowser and Robert Palm. You know Renee Bowser was part of the original Law and Order. The did of Robert Palm, and it's directed by Ed Sharon. and he directed the um, episodes of the original Law and Order, and he was also the executive producer, so he's involved in that one. Ed Sharon, so. This is like the Lord or the universe right there, right? Now, we're at the opening scene. And this is these two police officers on the horses, right? They've um emerging from the tunnel. And um, they're talking about the new George Foreman grill. You know, back then, you know, George Foreman had this own grill. It was popular back in the time, like in the late 90s, something like that, though. And um, and then George Foreman. He you, you know you, for those who don't know who George Foreman is, George Foreman was like a, a former boxer, and he was de- he was defeated by Muhammad Ali and um, um in um in this uh Saire boxing in a boxing match in Saire back in 1974, and um, George Foreman won 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 a match in the Olympics. And I remember that he was the one he was he lost to Muhammad Ali in the fight in Sahir, Africa, back in 1974. You know, Ali Kumbaye, Ali Kumbaye, Ali Kumaye. Nah, nah. right now, right now, during right now, and um, right now in the late 90s, George Foreman had this new grill out called the George Foreman Grill, and your meals we cook in minutes. It's like Presto, change, all stuff like that. So. So back to the opening scene where the oh you know the opening scene where the cops are uh, they were discussing about the new transforming wheel. They were like presto or something like that. So um they see um a car right in front of them, and they assume that there's a couple in there. So it's like this this area in Central Park is like lovers' lane and all that shit though. So one of the cops says rise and shine lovers boys rise and shine lovers. So guess what? the cops took a peep took a peep inside they found a man up uh, they found a man dead in his car with a shot back to the head and his pants was down oh. now okay so um later on best of Sabler arrived at the crime scene and the cop and the uniform cop he tells him that um the license plate and and um, victim and the victim's ID. He's a he's identified as Dean Woodruff. All right, so um, and um, his his license plate was Dean Woodruff or Dean. Did I say it right, Dean Woodruff? All right. So um, Pennsylvania State talking to witnesses. So they talk to um uh a mother and she she tells the detectives that she heard like a, a couple of pops. And hey, nice, I something like that, and then all of a sudden this Wall Street guy emerges, and he was like, okay, I gotta get to work. This stock market over twenty minutes ago," and um, he tells the detectives that he heard a large boom, and same was like boom, yeah. And then um, the guy, the Wall Street dude, he was like, a sirens, gunshots, and noise. I've been hearing that most of my life. <laughs> Oh my goodness! And then Vader black, and then we go to the intro, and uh, you know the theme song. Do <singing> do 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 And you know they got Michelle heard and something like that in the in the opening credits. After the theme song, we're in the squad room, and um, and Craig tells them that the Dean Wood was was a salesman who's working at this, some fitness company somewhere in Manhattan, so. And he also tells them that he has an ex wife living upstate, and he also has kids for his ex wife. They also live upstate, so they're trying to go and do a investigation on it the, on the, this guy. So, so um, they, they he tells his want to get on it. So best of the savior they're at um, they're at the Borg and you got Leslie M D M E Leslie Hendricks, you know the redhead. I forgot I forgot her character's name, but Leslie Hendrix. So she the actress who plays the MES Leslie Hendrix. And she has a recurring role on, on the original Law and Order. And this time she has a recurring role here before Tabara Tooney took over a spot though. And it's still season one because you know this is a season they, there's no Iced tea in it. So um the me tells Bessie said that um, the guy was shot in the back of the head, and they were messing something about semen presence, something like that. Though, now we're at um, Dean Woodward's work, Dean Woodward's workplace, as dated October fourth. But there's an error going on around here because there was a back in the season one episode four, while they was trying to find a serial killer who was touring prostitutes. They all happen in the first week of October, like October fourth or fifth. So there's like a like a little date error going around around here. So and the way they filmed they when they filmed that when they filmed that episode, it was already winter time in uh, New York City. So it doesn't make no sense that um, it's had to be October fourth. I mean, if it was October fourth, the weather should have been like mild or warm, and the tree and the, and the leaves wouldn't been on the trees. Just give me for a second now so if i if i had to correct the error though i think the setting of this episode was somewhere around late november early december something like that but october 4th come on y'all that's like an error going on around here man i mean check the first season of dvd i mean they got the dates all wrong i mean early in the episode early in his first season one episode four, it's like it, it um when it was um I don't wanna explain that. So anyway, so um Detective Munch and Jeffries, are Dean's workplace. Right, it's like uh, A fitness gym and all that stuff and then you they got the weights in the background and stuff like that though. So, um, this lady comes and approaches Muffin and Jeffries. She mentioned something about the New Year's resolution and all that stuff. And they do want to tell her that, um, Dean, Mr. Riverworth has died. So, they talk to another, employee. bunch of Jeffrey's Muffin and Jeffries talk to another employee. And, and the guy tells him that Dean was like there at 7.30, stay so late, so like that. He's like, um he's like he like he like the go to guy. He's like a nice guy. He's this and that or something like that. He's like um, and then he, then he was like he he was um loyal, diligent, and worker something like that. So, so all of a sudden, the text Munch and Jeffrey. So they hear a woman crying, and the woman that's identified as his girlfriend, more Shan, and something like that though, and she was crying that he, after she heard the news that Dean had died and stuff like that though, so um. And she's so sad, so um, I mean, and then Moria the tells him that she last time she was with Dean they was at a bar or something like that. So much of Jeffreys to talk to a waitress at the bar where the guy goes, and um the waitress was like, um so last night what happened?" Marshall like, so, last night he died." And then she's devastated what happened to Dean. He was murdered something like that, though. So, um, he's, um, he's shooting the waitress tells them that he was seeing some other woman at the bar or something like that, though. It's just like, um, and he's like a womanizer and all that stuff. So, I mean, it's like, um, he, I mean, he's like a lady, ladies man or whatever like that, though so um later on though where a bunch of Jeffries are at um Dean's apartment and they talk to the landlord or something like that though and um the landlord tells them that he was a good tenant and then the only problem he had was was his keys so Munch bunch of Jeffries are looking around some paperwork some history and all that stuff and then Munch gets a phone call no 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 I think no no I think Munch gets a phone call phone's ringing and then um Jeffrey picks it up and all that stuff, and then she listens in, and after she hangs up, she tells Munch that the Mara Shannon had two gun permits. So one of them was a 44. Oh yeah, by the way, I forgot to mention though that the the, the Mr. Woodworth was shot by a person with a 44 caliber gun. He was shot in the back of the head with a 44 caliber gun. So what happened was that that uh, Moira had two gun permits one was a forty-four, and the other one was like a 9 so they go back to um, Dean's workplace and they talk to Moira again and um she was um she, and oh we all forgot to mention before they went back to Dean's workplace so they show a picture of Dean and Moira together so they go back to Dean's job and they talk to Moira again and They had a good time until he dumped her. So much closes the door, and in the background, and on the on the door, there's a picture of the New York City Marathon. Says like 1999 stuff like that, though. So much comes up to her and asks her, "You have two gun permits, right?" So I mean, 40. She told me what the 44 was just a phase, and and then she um having she having the she had a gun like like. I mean, maybe after a year, maybe about months after he, he broke up with him, and she sold it to the guy of state. So, um, we're back at the bar right now. Munch and Jeffrey talk to the waitress again, and, um, and the waitress, and you know, Munch and Jeffrey, they show the pictures of, um, Dean's girls and stuff like that, and then and, 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 um, waitress pretends she's having a hard time looking at these pictures and stuff like that, though. So, um, it was about the girls Dean was seeing and something like that though and Munch asked her if he, she was the one that left with him the night he died and she was like nah and then all of a sudden she pointed she points out to a table where there's some um, where these some um, upper east side people being frequenting and they're just rich and stuff like that though so Munch and Jeffries go over to a couple on the table right and then um Munch was showing a picture of Dean's, showing Dean's picture to the guy, asking him, you see this guy? And this dude stands up like a tough guy, saying, And he was like, don't you mean excuse me for interrupting? All of a sudden, Jeffries grabs his shoulders and shoves him down back to his seat. Oh, shit. And then Munch was trying to correct himself, saying, "Let me correct myself. All right, we're far to your finest. And we, do you see this guy?" So they show him the pictures and stuff like that, though. And um, his girlfriend mentioned something about a guy who was had the pack, massive pecs, and he's a little awful like a womanizer, or she, he was this and that. And and then Munch asked her, "Did he leave anyone with them?" Um, Did did he leave it anyone? Did he leave it anyone? Something like that. And this lady mentions that says mentions one of the Moronies. Ooh, now we got something going on over here, right? Okay, um, it turns out that um, a member in it, and then someone in a member of a Moroni family. Now, I'm going to tell you something. The Moroni's though, they have, like, deep connections. They're, like, a political family with deep connections. I don't know if it's, like, a mob, something like that, but they're, like, a powerful political family and all that stuff, though. So we're back at the squad room, and they discuss about... The Moroni's Mar- and they say that they're they have a they have a daughter named um we say it's um Mo- I think it's Stephanie Moroni and she was arrested for drug possession, and um, it's like a wild child, and all that stuff, and all that years ago. Right now, now she's in her thirties, and then she's doing like community service and something like that. But much knows is like well, that's a lie. It's all politics, cause I mean, it's a like community service like a covering for the sins and all that stuff, though. So yeah, you know, so so Stephanie so Moroney, right? Has a has is connected to a family, he's so like a political family, and then they all rich and powerful and stuff like that. So, all of a sudden, here comes Mr. Briscoe, Detective Briscoe, not Detective Lenny Briscoe, but um, the young Briscoe. I mean, he tells him that is some mouthpieces is out there talking to him, though. And um, the the actor who played Briscoe is nothing but Chris Orbach. He's like the son of the late Jerry Orbach, right? So, um, so next thing you know is that, um, we're in Cragen's office. So he, and Catherine Cragen talks to the family's lawyer, Mr. Rumsey, right? And Mr. Rumsey, well, is giving him a statement from Stephanie because she's a witness to the crime. All right. She was there when, um. The, and, and then you know, she was there she was dating this guy named Dean and then she was there at the scene of the crime where he got shot in the back of the head so the lawyer Mr. Rumsey gives him the statement and all that stuff and then and then Craig was like we're going to give out our own statement and stuff like that though and uh, the, the lawyer says soon and she's ready though alright so um, that's the end of act 1 Act two, Bessa Sabler talking to the mother and all the stuff. And then, um, mother tells them that, um, she has own apartment and Bessa Sabler has searched the apartment and they tell her, they tell the mother that, 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 that she needs to go somewhere when there's like family crisis and all that stuff though. And the mother tells them that, that she's living in seclusion as a hospital so Benson and Stabler are at the hospital they talk to the doctor and they ask her what stephanie has been in for and the doctor tells them she's in for trauma and all that stuff though so um, they have um, Benson and Stabler they're talking to the um, Stephanie and then their mother was there and the lawyer was there and they ask her what happened last night <laughs> Me. Now, so uh, Stephanie t- 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 tells him that um, she was with the um, Mr. Dean, she was with Mr. Wolf at the time as murder, and um, and there was at Central Park, and then next thing you know that she was um, there. They, they had a radio on, and then she she changed the station until all of a sudden that he heard she heard some gunshots. And he was shot in the back of the head and all that stuff, though. And then she was like terrified, and she told him it just happened just so fast. Cause I mean, she, and she didn't remember what the song was playing, something like that, though. I mean, she just she she was changing the radio station at the time. She was changing the radio at the time that um, Mr. Wood, Mr. Woodruff was shot, and she like, she was like shocked and shit like that, though. So, and um. So, um we're back at the um, Craig's office and, you know, the precinct and um it turns found out that the Dean, mister Mr, Mr. Woodruff had an ex wife living out of state. We, we already I've already discussed that earlier though. And um and Mr. and um detective Jeffries brings out that um mister Woodruff was um dealing with other women Yo yo, that dude is like a damn player, man. I mean, he even mess around with other women, cheating on other women. Who the hell is he, he like Daisy or something like some shit like that? <laughs> Yo, so, I mean, come on, y'all. I mean, yo, I mean, this is, he's like a womanizer and stuff like that. I mean, he's not, he wasn't even faithful to his wife. I mean, you, you, he's a salesman and you want to pitch some, something to a lot of people and then he try, then he tries to seduce him and all that shit, though. I mean, what? And try to get some money. I mean, let me tell you something about me being a salesman. All right. I was offered a job as a salesman, right? But then, and, um, I remember several years ago that, um, I had this uh, lady approach me and then uh, she wanted me to sell like some life insurance, something like that. You know, it's like a pyramid scheme. So. I was invited to one of these classes or courses or whatever. You know, I, I could make some money by uh, going door to door and trying to get some get some people and recruit some people. And that way, if I guess if I could get some people, I could make a lot of money. But you know what I found out later on, though, I just found out it's this this is not the kind of job I was looking for, like doing door to door because they're not gonna give you a paycheck. Yeah, yeah, you can make money. I mean, on your own by you know trying to. Get people or recruit people and have people with you and all that stuff I'm going door to door. So in other words, though they want me to go door to door, sell so life insurance and stuff like that, though. And yeah, but that was a good idea, but that's not the kind of job. That's not the kind of job for me. It's like I mean, I want I want to get my paycheck every two weeks. Though why do I have to wait for a long, long time to make somebody that quick though? And sometimes you know you gotta pay your rent on time and you pay your bills on time you know so it was a lot of fun it was some I had some experience doing that like getting a job offer doing like um, doing door-to-door shit though but I'm better off trying to um, get, get a proper paycheck every two weeks okay so next okay now we're in the ballistics right and when, and Munch, Detectives Munch and Jeffries are there and uh, they just found out that the gun, that gun was made of black talent something like that though so it's like um, there was a brief scene just going around saying a ha- bunch was like it hasn't been around since 1994 or something like that, some black talent so meanwhile best is able to talk to Dean's ex-wife and um, he's like a um, womanizer and stuff like that because because. He mentioned something about this um the college that he used to go to and she, and and she was making like a lot of, he was mentioning something that he made a lot of transactions and stuff like that. Well, I mean he was just doing business alright, trying to seduce women and all that sh- shit like that though. Oh my goodness. So um Best of the Stabler though, they go upstate to Saratoga to this um college, I forgot. I think it was Barnard College or something like that. So they they go to this college of state in Saratoga Springs, and they talk to like a teacher or a dean or an employee who works there or some a professor or something like that though and um and then the lady tells him that these are just a lot of women and um and uh, and then he tells him that he and he and then um he had contact with um, Stephanie Maroney oh, so there's a piece missing going on around here because that um he, he also mentioned something about they've um, allowed intimacy up there years ago something like that though but it turns out that the Mr. Woodworth has seduced many women at, at the college and um and it turns out that Stephanie um they found out that Stephanie Maroney got um, got in contact with him during her sophomore year at the college where he goes to and then and she dropped out afterwards so um the, the Professor tells them that Stephanie was a bright girl, but she can't handle the burden and the, the text was like what burden and she said, she says the burden of being a maroni all right we'll go we're back to um, if so best savelor go back to city they talk to no no they talk to Stephanie with the mother and the lawyer stuff like that and um she gives him the description of the um, the guy who, um, she told me earlier cause I forgot to mention that she gave him the description of the dude said she had um gla- dark she was a dark glasses and he's like a medium height guy though see that's all she mentioned stuff like that though so and um that's one thing I left about this one so Mrs. Savings was like um you wanna add anything like that the lawyer interrupts say excuse me what kind of issue do you understand and they mentioned something about her getting getting in contact with uh Mr. Woodworth at the college he used to attend now Stephanie didn't bring that shit up and then Stephanie was like I met him at a bar okay and then they cut her off and stuff like that though and then um her mother tells him you trying to make a mater on my daughter because we don't want no maters and act 2 now before we go on I mean Stephanie was like she didn't bring up a story about the college thing. I mean she didn't tell him that she had a relationship with um, Dean at a college years ago or something like that. But what he what he did what he did to her? Did he uh, seduce her? Did he rape her? Something like that though? I mean, they was um she got intimate with um Mr Dean Dean, Mr Woodruff, before she dropped out in her sophomore year and all of a sudden years later she ran to him at the bar or something like that and then late in the evening they go out to Central Park and all of a sudden he got shot in the back of the head I mean she tells him that she, um, she changed the radio station when he got shot and she saw a guy with dark glasses and being in height that it happened so fast whatever something like that though so it's like um I don't know what she's doing. She's trying to cover up some cover up. Who knows? I don't even know. All right, well, let's start at three. We're created The Captain Craig is at D.A. Schiff's office. Now, the character who plays uh, D.A. Adam Schiff is nothing but the late, great Stephen Hill. He played the DE on or the original, or- original Law and Order for the first 10 seasons before he stepped down and he was replaced by Diane Weiss. So this is probably is, is a first and only appearance on SVU. Now, for so those who don't know who Stephen Hill is, though, he played um the lead in Mission Impossible back in 1966. And then somehow he got um he he got fired after clashing with the producers, and then they replaced him with Peter Graves um a year later in the second season. But he was the original cast member of Mission Impossible back in nineteen sixty six, and you know he played um D A Adam Schiff on the original Law and Order for the first ten seasons before he um before he um was let go and um uh, he passed away a few years back and he was like in his 90s or something like that though so craigen is in the shift's office and there's another guy there though and um he craigen has a feeling that stephanie is covering up a and something like that though i mean he tells her that they have a case and all that stuff though and um again they have a case and it turns out that um Kragen no, has a feeling that the story doesn't make any sense by saying she didn't give it a proper description. Stephanie did not give them a proper description of the killer, like the glasses and the hair. And then all of a sudden, is that she is, um, um, what you would say is, um, holding back, holding back, or in other words, will she be lying and, um, there was another one I forgot to mention about that, but it's like um, she's um, fabricating the story, what you to call it? I mean, and Craigen tells them that uh, they have a case, all right. There's a she also has a motive, and he has a feeling that Stephanie is a suspect because um, she just making false information, whatever. And then Schiff was like talk to McCoy. Craig was like, thank you. And he steps out the room. Next scene, though, we meet the real McCoy, right? And, um, ADEA McCoy. And it's played by Sam Watterson. And this is his first appearance on SVU. And uh, let me give you a little bit of information on Sam Watterson. I mean, he, um, I remember that he was on the TV show I'll Fly Away. And he was in the movie Step Mom. And he, I remember, though, he played, um, he played Jack McCoy, started with the fifth season of Law and Order until the very end, and uh, that's so Sam Waters is there, and guess who's there too? Angie Harmon playing at her, her role as ADA Abby Carmichael, right? So, so sometimes Kragen has a feeling that Stephanie is the shooter and he Craigan tells us Stephanie is a shooter and um she's making more statements and then he tells McCoy that she changed the radio station and and they have it happened so fast and he and he also tells um McCoy that she People change the station where they say this song is so annoying them or something like that though. He does it doesn't make no he said he he insists it doesn't even make no sense. It's just to change the station all of a sudden you get shot in the back of the head though. And Craig and then Craig was like Craig he thinks that Stephanie is a liar and he is a shooter. So McCoy decides to charge Stephanie for false statements and murder and stuff like that. And Craig was like, You're gonna go go for it though? And McCoy says he gonna give it a shot because he's gonna have an issue with shift the press and the media stuff like that, though. Cause I mean, they have to be real careful because Stephanie is connected to a powerful political family. And then they do, they do, and the family will do everything to keep her off the hook. Make it be dry. It's all about money. So, he's gonna, so. Now Jack McCoy is gonna give her murder too and put her on be put her as a shooter so okay we're in the courtroom right now and Stephanie is in, is being arrested and arraigned and the uh, judge decides to deny bail and have her locked up at some women's facility or some rack or something like that though even though the mama's not happy and all that stuff so outside uh, outside the courthouse though, they, you know, the media is talking to him the, the 70's mom and all that stuff saying that the justice was too harsh and whatever and the lawyer is there so they're going to fix the situation as soon as possible so the media they talked to McCoy and they mentioned something about randomness um, about the, her um, about the, her being in jail and some questions all that stuff and then when they when um, McCoy, Carmichael, and um, Craig and Lee walk away from the media, Craig tells them that Detective Logan, is, it begins to love Staten Island. So, about that Detective Logan, right, he's, he's played by Chris North from the original Law and Order, and his character was sent to Staten Island after he beat up some politician and all that stuff, though. So, with Craig going around saying that, Say telling them that the creator is love is getting used to love Staten Island, and stuff like that. I mean, well, I mean, it's, it's just some that's like an exile, stuff like that, though. I mean, there's nothing much out there in Staten Island, but you got crime over there, but no bill, tall buildings, just quite suburbia, shit like that, right? All right, now we're back in the squad room, and um, the Texas army calls and stuff like that, about, um, 4 caliber, but right now, the gun is still missing, because, um, and all that stuff, so, it's like, um, they're trying to make calls, so, they're making calls, and all of a sudden, the Jeffries gets a call, and she, she tells Craig that, um, Cops that she got, she got a call. She gets a call. She tells Crazy that she got a call from the cops from the 11th precinct saying that there's been another shooting. Got shot in the head and inside the car. Is they check this out? We're back at Central Park now, it's dark, and it's like the same and all over again. The guy got shot in the head, pants was down, and all this stuff, though. It's like JJ Boo all over again. So. Next thing you know is that um, Munch and Jeffries are there, Sable is there, the other cops are there, and they was like looking at um, the guy was shot in the head, and then Munch was like, "Vanity it is that name," and Jeffries corrects him saying, "It's um, Fritility misogynist. and Munch was like, "The artist formerly known as," and then the cop says, "Prince's old girlfriend." <laughs> <laughs> There now there's a Prince reference right there. So and um you know that Prince, you know he back at that time Prince was like known as the artist formerly known as Prince. You know, I mean he didn't want to be called Prince no more because he was having issues with the record company over his rights and stuff like that. So he decided to change his name as just like a symbol and he was once be announced as the artist formerly known as Prince. So, and then he got like a little, his name was like a turn to a symbol and stuff like that, but he already solved that issue though. And uh, princess had a string of ex girlfriends, you know, like, um, Apollon, Be- affinity Apollonia, Métis, Garcia, I mean, and he dated the girlfriends. Oh, he was messing around with Carmel Electra too, but I mean, that's why, like, Chris's old girlfriends, but. I never, I never seen Prince raising a family, like having kids and all that stuff, though. Damn. And you know, we lost Prince a few years back. You know, I, I think it's been like five years since Prince has passed, and though. So, anyway, so, um, the cops came by. All right, so, um, every right, the victim, the second victim, his name is Stanley Becker, right? And, um, Spencer was looking at this lady over there and they asked him, Is that his wife? And the cop was telling him, Nah, some. No, some is a catfish. <laughs> nah, nah, no, so it's Miss Katech, some bait or something like that, though. And then she's a witness to the crime. So the detectives talked to Miss um, Katech. I mean, she's a tall, blonde girl. he's thick something like that, though. And she tells it happened so fast, and uh, she met him at the bar. He was like a nice guy, and stuff like that, though. So, um, next day, though, we, the the best of the slaver talked to Mr. Becker's wife, and, um, she tells them maybe some goons were roughing them up, something like that. But that was a quick scene, anything like that, though. I mean, and at first, she thought it was stress. And a heart attack could kill him or something like that, though, because he worked in the garment. Wait, you know, her husband worked in the garment district, gar- garment business, and it's cutthroat. And she yeah, had maybe she's thinking that some guys would rough them up or something like that, though. So that was like a brief scene, short scene. All right, so we're back in the squad room. And um, they 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 think that their suspect is a copycat or a son of Sam Wallaby. It's like I mean, I mean, if he if he was a son of Sam, he shouldn't shot two people. I mean, he shot like one per one guy in the head and left the woman alone. Something, or maybe maybe it's not son of Sam, or maybe it's a copycat. I don't know what it is though. But they have um, Stephanie in custody and all that stuff though. So. so they trying trying them, um, so meanwhile, you know, we got the uh, detective Briscoe, she shows this catish for description of what he looked like, she tells him her, eye, her glasses were, her, dark, her glasses were like, round, dark, like Buddy Ollie, and he had slipped back hair, something like that, and um, they saw the computer image of this guy, he looked like um that, that guy from the movie, The Warriors, or maybe he looking like some, um, uh, I don't know what it looks like. He looked like Elton John or something like that. But he, he do what he had like thick rimmed glasses on. Like he like a guy in his 60s, something like that though. Or, buddy, I I don't know what the hell is going on around here though. So we're in Craig's office, right? And um, Jeffrey's did a background check on the forty four that dates back thirty years, and the forty four caliber gun was used, like an, and us three hundred and nineteen um homicides and then there was like they gun was used back at the twenty seven precincts like several years ago and Lenny works at the two seven. So um and then well, so so and then so Wab he calls Lenny Briscoe and about uh a case about uh, what happened back in ninety three, ninety four. That was like five years ago, something like that, though. So um, right now, Benson and Slaveler are at the twenty seven in homicide. You know, it's like the original Lord Order set though, and Briscoe Green come out, come come out. All right, and Detective Briscoe. By the way, the actor playing Briscoe is the late, great Jerry Orbach, though. And he, this is probably his third appearance on SVU and all that stuff, though. And, and then, um, just, and um, um, Detective Green, played play by Jesse Elmar, this is his second appearance on SVU. So, they had, uh, so, Benson and are at the um, Priest law Lord order set, though, and then, and, um, Detective Briscoe mentions about this, um, homeless man has been chatting him up, and then him and his ex part the Logan, was freezing their asses out and stuff like that, though. And, um, there was a was mention of something about, um, the case where they, the uh, were talking to a person of interest, who's like the 44 caliber killer, so, there was mentioning about this, um. It was mentioned in this uh, Law & Order Season 4 episode that aired in 1994. I think it was an episode called Mayhem where Briscoe and Logan were trying to deal with several cases on a single day. And... <laughs> there was this um, scene on that old Law & Order on that one scene where then Briscoe and Logan went to an apartment and they sell a domestic dispute. Turns out that the wife cut the guy's dick off and she hit Logan with a frying pan. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> oh, and then next thing you know the, the husband it died at the hospital. Oh shit. Oh man. That was the episode reference on so so it turns out so, that um They've, um they um they've arrested um back back to the scene where briscoe and Green were talking to best slavery they mentioned about personal interest and when he realized that they arrested the wrong guy and they also mentioned about witnessing bill templeton and then um Mester was like the guy's back and he, and Be- and chris mess was like yes with two hits under his belt and Briscoe and green they and they like surprise and then shocked, I don't know what it is though, but and act three now okay, we're back at Kragen's office and detective Jeffrey, Jeffrey's comes in and all this stuff, and um he Jeffrey tells Kragen that um seventy is not the shooter, it was probably done by the same guy and stuff like that, so it turns out that um the perp Registered a gun at a gun shop back about seven years ago. Back in night, a few years ago, back in ninety four. So, Munch and Jeffrey. So they talked to a guy at a gun shop, gun shop, and then, and they wanted him to. They wanted to see his records to say who got the bullets in the towel, something like that, though. And uh, gunshot, gun shop. was like, I'm sorry, I can't give you that information and stuff like that. So they fed him with a warrant, and then next, you know, he decided to give some is here and then they discover that the buyer's name is Arthur Pruitt. So we back at the squad room. It turns out that they found out that Pruitt was released recently because her mom was sick and, he, and they tell he's living in some flop house somewhere in Chinatown. So Craig tells them that he got yeah, go go arrest Go on, go on, and arrest you with Twenty, this the twenty-seven precinct. They've got the twenty-seven precinct So they got the case. So you get them too, because that's their case too. <laughs> so they, you know, the detectives, you know, the from um, SVU detectives and the twenty-seven precinct detectives. So they're at the the um, hotel or halfway house. They're looking for a prove it, and she points to the guy sitting in the damn chair. Right, so the tech, the show up though. Benson steps up to him and um, asks him, "You offer Pruitt?" And then, and then uh, Pruitt asks him to see the ID. So Benson takes out her ID, her badge, and um, Pruitt takes out his glasses, and no, it's it's and it's a subscription. it's. Fogs like Buddy Holly and thick rimmed glasses. And he looks at her, the her ID and he was like, I'm the man you're looking for. So uh, they arrest him and they take him up to his apartment and they discovered that he had a wall of newspapers about the shootings and stuff like that, though. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Now, guess what? The yeah, poor is at a lineup right now, so. And, um, you know, Miss Katish is there. And she tells him it's number three. That's Mr. Pruitt. So, and then he can't you say it. And then the couple's like say it again. And then she says it like a um, game show host. So, like saying, and the winner is number three. And she's saying, like, she's a game show host and stuff like that, though. Now she leaves the room. And then here comes the witness, Joe Templeton, tell tells him that's number three. And she leaves. And then Stephanie Moroli comes up. She identifies Ford as a shooter at number three. So three for free. I mean three witnesses poisoned at the scene of the crime. He three witnesses poisoned as a shooter. So right now we're going to the interrogation man and yo I'm telling you, Briscoe and Green are there and stuff like that though. Green tells them that, yo And um and I was like, I was like a police officer back then at the time of the murder. I mean, it was fascinating. And then Briscoe comes in and interrogates people. Who would tell him, "You feel the smell? That's the smell of death. It's gets you." Cut now. Uh, moments later, though, we have Much and Jeffrey's in the tech creation room, and this is a funny scene because this is like a good cop bad cop routine and stuff like that. And Much was yelling at people, saying, "Yo, this you piece of shit. Yo, you're menace. You're degenerate. You're a dinosaur, You're menace. You piece of shit. You, you piece of crap." And then. And then Pooh was like, who's the backup right now? Munch was like, you pet your ass! You did you piece of shit? You're going down, man. You're gonna put it in your side of or stuff like that though. Pooh was pools. was telling Jeffrey's like, is this legal? But Jeffrey's like, I don't know. Munch was like, kiss you, kiss you, k you, kiss you, kiss you, kiss, kiss you, kiss you, 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 Oh shit, he wasn't much was a bad I had have- me laughing and stuff like that. <laughs> Much like kill you, kill you, kill you, kill you, kill you, kill you, kill him. Like he wants he wants him dead. I mean he's dead serious about that. <laughs> he sounds like a character from um Friday the thirteenth and all that stuff though. Then we got Benson Sailor interrogating him and then David wants him to confess and um and then they admire his handiwork and stuff like that. And Stable's like, you shoot the man, leave the woman alone. That's crafty. It's creative, though. And uh, Pua was like, austerity, something like that. I don't know what it is, though. You know, outside the interrogation room, and Munch and Craig are watching in. And Craig tells them that um, Pua confessed to killing um, Mr. Woodruff. So they don't, they don't, and then they don't doesn't make make any sense and stuff like that though. So now next scene, Much is at the um, you know the Emmy's room, you know the morgue, and Much is talking to uh, the Emmy and the uh, Emmy, you know Leslie, or Leslie Hendricks. He tells him that uh, Becker found they, Becker, Becker got roughed up by somebody, and they found like a punch of wounds before he got shot, stuff like that though, and. In other words, you know, she tells Munch that uh, somebody roughed him up. And much was like, Will you go on a date with me? And then and, I, and then um the Emmy was like, I wanna to eat to the, to the last minute or something like that, so that's like a no. Oh brother. I <laughs> much much is trying to hit on the Emmy, something like that. Like let's sarcastically go on a date with her though. And we, and then War was like, Hell no, I ain't gonna out with you, you little skinny ass deek, you little streamy face. <laughs> oh, so um so we're back at um Craig's and, and Craig we're 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 back to DA shifts office, you know, and Kragen's there and they they was a mess and all that stuff though, so they wanted to drop the charges on Stephanie on Stephanie because she wasn't a shooter. So Stephanie's mother comes in and no Stephanie comes in with her mother and her lawyer and um and um, Schiff knows his mom because they're like a political family. And then they wanted to uh, drop the charges against Stephanie and let the judge um, try to reconsider dropping charges and stuff like that, though. And then Craig was like, that's my cue. We And she tells Mrs. Um, she tells uh, Stephanie's mom that we are sorry for the inconvenience. And um, Stephanie's mom was like, Thank you, Craig, and you're a nice guy. So we back outside. Craig is stepping out of the building, and Munch comes up to him, and um, Munch tells him that um, Becker got roughed up by some mob goons or something like that. Though he also mentions something about that um, Baxter was shot, bit a cop, and he was dating some model or actress, whatever. He's thinking that she's he's thinking that she's she's in the porn business. And Craig was like John, and John tells him that Stephanie Maroney killed war. war-, war-, war. I could feel it. I just, I knew it. And Craig was like, I can't tell him we had this conversation. And then he walks away. And then Much tells him, Maroney's are powerful people. They don't get away with anything. Trust me on this. Craig was like he didn't want to hear it. And um, that's the end of the episode all right so um at my job you know i was going through the garbage you know and what happened was some homeless person um ripped open the bags you know i mean that's our job just to take the bags out of the street and on the curb so sanitation would pick it up and sometimes you know these um jackasses they rip the bags open looking for something of traffic or drugs or whatever I mean try to find something valuable something to them and stuff like that though. So while I was going to clean up the garbage though, I discovered there was like a bunch of OVHS VHS tapes. So um I have a VCR at home so I mean it's still in good condition and all that stuff. So I was thinking you know, maybe I have to. Um, I was gonna instead of throwing them away, I decided, you know, to take some of these um uh, VHS cassettes. I mean, they got like movies in them and stuff like that though. So I brought them home. I mean, sometimes if you find old VHS cassettes, you know, you never know what's in there. I mean, it could be a movie or a TV show or something uh, something like that. So I went home, I went through it, and some of the VHSs were a bunch of shit and some of them that they like bootleg copies of certain movies. So, I think there was some good VHS shows. I mean, no, I did because um, I already got like the Ten Commandments on on VHS, and I got Carlitos way on VHS. So um, I brought a batch of these VHS tapes home, and then, then there was this movie called Into Deep. But it turns out that there's some 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 knucklehead tape over that movie Into Deep and all this stuff though. I've been fooled, man. I don't know. I might just throw that away. And some of them were like bootleg like copies of movies. I mean, like, um, I think it was um one with Halle Berry was in it. I think it was Executive like Decision or something like that. So I don't know. So I'm going to look to that. And uh, some of them were like home videos from some family members. So, I mean, I don't want that. I'll just throw it away. But I mean, it's like when you get VHS cassettes, you know, like old VHS cassettes like no one use no more, and you find some old stuff to it, though, some of it is, some of it is in good condition and some of it is not, <laughs> some of it is not in good t- condition. So it's like you can suffer for nothing, you know? But, you know, just give it a shot. You you be lucky. You can be having an old movie or not so lucky because you may be seeing like a bad uh, VHS cassette. So um, I got to go right now. So... I want you brothers, ladies. Thank you for listening, and um, and check this out, though. Twisted uh, SVU podcast. You could go listen to it on Spotify, and, or Anchor FM, or Google or Radio Public, whatever. Though, so let's go to Spotify. You know, and then I put put my. I'm gonna post these episodes every Monday, and we're gonna go through new episodes throughout the summer. So you're gonna see more of uh, me and S V U and um I hope you have you like listening and remember this about the old episodes though. And you S V U fans out there, so um I'm just gonna go get some rest and chill out. So yeah, and have a bless have a blessed week. I'll see you next week.